Welcome to the First Pres Podcast, which features the message from this past Sunday's worship. If you'd like to worship with us in person, our services are Sunday mornings at 8.20, 9.45, and 11.10. You can learn more about First Pres at www.first-pres.org. Turn with me, if you would, in your Bibles to the New Testament book of Acts, chapter 2, verses 22 through 32. As together, we hear the word of the Lord. Acts chapter 2, verses 22 to 32. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. David said about him, I saw the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest in hope because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. You will not let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. Fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried, and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it. Almighty God, we thank you for your word that you speak to us. Speak to us today, Lord, by your grace and mercy in ways that shape our hearts, that form our lives, and that give us confidence and faith. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, my friends, this is no light topic today. (laughs) Today, this morning, we talk about death. Nothing better for Labor Day weekend, I figured, (laughs) than a good solid sermon on death. Conversations around the barbecue will be a little different for first presers. You know, hey, what was your pastor preaching about this morning? Oh, death. Huh. I think I'll try that other church down the road. We are looking for the way of life found in Jesus. 
We are looking for the paths of life. Peter, in his great Pentecost sermon, he makes a turn now and he makes the point. It isn't just about spiritual wonders and signs and supernatural occurrences. Remember from last week, yes, God is there and God does things, but now Peter turns to talk about the ministry of Jesus. And the ministry of Jesus culminated in his death on the cross. Jesus came to earth knowing that he was going to die. He died intentionally, purposefully, meaningfully on the cross as a knowing sacrifice to atone for our sins. But he also died so that he could overcome death. Jesus died trusting that on the third day he would rise again. He died for us so that we could live for him. Would you say that with me? He died for us so we could live for him. Thank you. So Peter knew on that day And he wanted the people to know, and I want you to know this morning, that Jesus beat death. If we don't think rightly about death, we can't think rightly about life. Only when we see death the way Jesus sees it can we see life the way Jesus wants us to see life. Only when we see death the way Jesus sees it can we live life the way Jesus wants us to live life. Friends, in Jesus, life beats death. So some say we live in a culture of death, that we have devolved into what's called a culture of death. Have you heard that phrase? We have an immature fascination with death today. If you don't believe me, just try to go buy your kid a skateboard or a snowboard We have a long-standing rule in our house that we don't wear skulls or bones or dead bodies on our clothing, right? I mean, that makes pretty good sense. (laughs) I don't know what's under the choir robes today, but... But it's not easy to keep that rule with all the patterns that are on things. I've been walking by the local record store for uh, nearly all my life, and, and the posters out there are always the same, aren't they? There's, there's two main themes, sex and death. Are we still supposed to be kind of shocked? You know, uh, I heard on the radio a few years ago about the company that provides fake dead bodies for television shows. They can't keep up with the demand, you know? Anything with death sells. Vampires and and zombies and the walking dead, it will sell. Suicide Squad is at the top of the box office. I've heard it's terrible, by the way. Don't worry about it. I'm going to go try Finding Dory instead, maybe. (laughs) But we have some kind of an unhealthy fascination with death in our time. And of course, it's more serious than our our entertainment habits, isn't it? How else would you explain ISIS? But that we are captured by some kind of fascination with death. ISIS films executions 
and then puts them on the internet for recruiting. Their leaders don't come out and say, oh, oh we're, we're horrified by these acts of cruelty and inhumanity. We want you to know these murderers have been held accountable. No, no, they celebrate the acts. They put them out as far and as wide as they can and they praise the murderers and, and this appeals somehow to young men and women and they are recruited to the cause. Come, become masters of death, they say. There is something very sick that creeps into the human heart when we think when we fail to think biblically about life and death. And I know it's very heavy, isn't it? It's very heavy. But you know what? It's something we all face. It's, it's something that's an experience that affects 100% of the population. Death and taxes, right? So a friend of mine said in the church, Tim, it's just a matter of simple biochemistry. The body winds down like a battery. Uh, it can only be recharged so much. Every organism that experiences the gift of life will eventually reach the end of that gift. Uh, do we know how to think about it? Do we know how to talk about it? If we can't look at it the way Jesus wants us to look at it, then we devolve into these immature patterns of our society. We get, we get captured by an, an immature nihilistic fascination or we succumb to a fatalistic acceptance. Oh, well. Or, or, and I think this is the most predominant mood right now, we isolate and sanitize it. We set it a, a, away from ourselves and, and name it as a medical procedure so long as it happens far away from us. Peter addresses it straight on. He had to. He had to because Jesus died. Jesus died very publicly. Jesus died cursed. The Bible said that anyone who hangs on a tree is cursed, and that's how Jesus died. So if to the reader of the Bible, Jesus by definition is cursed in his death. But Peter still wants us to follow Jesus. Peter still wants us to believe in Jesus. Peter still wants us to recognize Jesus as the Messiah. He's saying these, these wonders and these signs that you're seeing blow down from heaven, they somehow come from Jesus. So Peter has to explain. So let's pick up Peter's sermon where we left off last week. Do you remember? So far, he has made this strong argument that his friends aren't drunk because it's only nine in the morning. Strong argument. And he's quoted from, from Joel chapter two, which he quoted very effectively, very meaningfully, but now his sermon begins in earnest and Peter realizes he is not going to get anywhere at all until he explains the death of Jesus. He says, we all know that Jesus performed great miracles and signs. Isn't that interesting, by the way? that he didn't have to, to navigate that. He didn't have to persuade on that point. They all knew that Jesus had performed miraculous wonders and signs. No one argued the point. He says, we all, we all saw that. We all know Jesus did miracles and that these miracles revealed the goodness and mercy of God, but why did he die? 
And if he died, why do you still want to call on the Messiah? So Peter explains now. Jesus was handed over to death under God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. And then verse 24, our key verse. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Who gets the last word? Death? No. No. And then Peter moves into Psalm 16. Psalm 16 is a psalm of David, a psalm that I should note had flummoxed rabbis and theologians for ages. Nobody could really figure out what it meant. But Peter knows. You know, last week I joked about a little bit about Peter's choice of Joel 2, and we had some fun with that, making the point that our willingness to let the Spirit move us to quote the Scripture at hand is very important. Sometimes all God needs to build his kingdom. But I want to go back and remind us all, too, you know, Peter did get an education. Jesus taught him. Back in Luke 24, Jesus not only taught the men on the road to Emmaus how to understand the Old Testament, but he spent time with all the disciples, including Peter. He said to them, look now, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. And Acts 1-3 tells us Jesus met with the disciples over a period of 40 days teaching them about the kingdom of God. Jesus taught Peter. So can you sort of hear the gentle voice of Jesus teaching Peter through this passage? Psalm 16. Peter. See where David in this psalm, Peter, is, is joyful in the face of death? Now why is that? Jesus might have asked. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest in hope because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. You will not let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. I can just kind of hear Jesus just walking with Peter through this passage. Peter, why is David so confident in the face of death? Where does the joy come from? How can a man about to die facing the reality of his own mortality, how can, how can he say, my heart is glad, my tongue rejoices, my body even will rest in hope? What hope? What hope? What paths of life are there when you're staring at death? How can David say to the Lord, you will fill me with joy in your presence, Peter? How can he say that? I imagine our friend Peter, I don't know, Lord. Why don't you just tell me? And then the key is found in the middle the middle verse, 
It sounds like David's body wasn't supposed to get buried. David's remains were not supposed to go down to the dust, but they didn't. So maybe imagine Jesus with Peter. Peter, whose remains would those be if David's bones are right over there in the tomb? Asks the resurrected Jesus, right? And the lights go on. And so Peter tells his listeners, Jesus died, but he isn't dead. Jesus died, but he rose again. Jesus let death speak, but he didn't let death have the last word. Jesus lives, and so can you, even beyond your last day on earth. Death doesn't have nearly the kind of authority you thought it did. Death is very serious, very powerful, very painful, but death is not the end. Because of Jesus Christ, life is the end, not death. Are we fascinated by the power of death? Are we convinced that death is the end? Even as Christians, I think we tend to grow a little confused here. Death is a part of our lives right now, but it is not our friend. Death is an enemy at the table. It is always a horrid interruption, and Jesus hates it, and he will be done with it in the end. And I heard a voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. But how does all this play into Peter's sermon? Well, all those people had seen Jesus go under. They saw the death of Jesus. They saw death take Jesus down. But what they didn't understand was that Jesus allowed death to take him under so he could rise up from the depths and open the gates of eternal life. The Bible and Christian tradition sometimes personify death in ways as though death is a person at work in the world, and this is a way of illustrating the authority of death. What authority does death have? Well, it's not a person, but it is a principle. It's a principle that if you are separated from the author of life, then you are subject to death. It's put this way in the first half of Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. Sin earns death like a paycheck. And so death can accuse me of being a sinner, can accuse me of being separated from God. Death has a claim on me. But watch what happens with Jesus. Death grabs a hold of Jesus and tries to take him down, but there is no rightful claim on him. Jesus, covered by all of our sins, 
looks guilty. Jesus looks like the claim of death should fall on him and have full authority. But at heart, Jesus is without sin. And there is no rightful claim to hold him down. Long ago, a church father named Gregory of Nyssa described it this way, the deity was hidden under the veil of our nature. That so as with ravenous fish, the hook of the deity might be gulped down along with the bait of flesh. Death took the bait and death couldn't handle Jesus. Death couldn't handle him and the grave couldn't hold him. Verse 24 again, but God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Let's camp on this verse for a minute. God raised him from the dead. Now Jesus is God. So how does that work? Well, friends, that's, that's a recognized divine mystery. I can't penetrate that for you. But somehow, somehow God in Jesus Christ took death into himself. But God raised him from the dead, it says. Raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death. What's the agony of death? We think of that as the pain of, of dying, I bet, at the end of life. But Jesus already did that. He'd already done that. So what's the agony of death? The agony of death is the separation from God past death. That's the agony. That's what we should be concerned about. That's what we should be worried about. That's where Jesus went on our behalf. As John Calvin wrote many years ago, by this we must face the horrific fact that there is something worse than death itself. The agony of death, being separated from God for all eternity past the day of our death on earth. But Jesus went there on our behalf and God raised him, restored him, brought him back from the agony worse than death. Why? Because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Death didn't have the ability. It didn't have the strength. It didn't have the grip to hold him down. Do you see that? Death wanted to hold Jesus down, but he just couldn't. The image I get is like um, when you try to hold a basketball under the water in the pool. How many have tried to do that? Later today, give it a shot. <laughs> and you hold it down, you can hold it down for a while. Sometimes you sit on it or you stand on it and, and you can balance a little bit, but eventually, you know, you lose track of what you're doing. You get distracted or you lose your balance and, and up comes that basketball and it pops out of the water and smashes right into your nose. <laughs> I speak from a little bit of authority here. <laughs> Friends, that's our... That's our man, Jesus. <laughs> Death wanted to hold him down. He wanted to hold him down. And down under he went, lower, lower, lower and deeper and further than you and I could ever go or ever will by the grace of God. And from there, down in the depths, down not only in physical death, but spiritual agony, down Jesus went. But do you know what? 
Death had no claim on the Holy One of God. And up he went. (laughs) Are we fascinated with death, the power of death? Is death the final answer? Is this life all there is? Well, if you believe that, it will certainly shape your life. It'll certainly change the way you live. If you believe that, I don't know how you have any patience at all. If I believed that I had 80 or 90 years to spend on this earth and then it was all over, all finished, entirely finished, I would be the most impatient man that I think walked the face of the earth. I would strangle everybody in front of me in the line of the DMV. No? Listen, you're wasting my time. How could you live that way? How could you look at your job and think this job is the only chance I have for fulfillment in my soul? How could you survive that? How could any marriage survive thinking that this life is all that there is and, not, and failing to recognize that there is an eternal life beyond death where all of your longings, all of your desires are deeply, deeply fulfilled. How could you survive in your marriage even a day believing that this life is all there is? Friends, death is not the final answer. And don't you believe it? Romans 6:23 said the wages of sin is death, but don't you know the rest of that verse? But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. If you are in Christ, death may swallow you for a moment, but he cannot hold you down. You are in Jesus Christ, and death has no claim to hold you down. So with David, with Peter, you and I, if we're in Christ and we look across the landscape of a culture of death, we can look across the tragic pain of death and we can look death square in the eye and sing to the Lord, you have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. Almighty God, we need to see and to know and to walk your way of life. Lord, give us courage to walk your way of life today that way of life met in Jesus Christ, the way of life that walks straight across the valley of the shadow of death and into eternal life in your loving care. Lord, grant us courage that we may choose life, pour your Holy Spirit within us and direct us toward your saving grace so that when our time comes, even we, can sing. You fill me, Lord, with joy in your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to our First Prez podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at first-prez.org.